With the sequel prequel, it's no wonder that trying to survive in a quiet environment that moviegoers would want to be labeled as uneasy audiences to follow suit in the theaters as silent observers. However, part two has got approximately triple amount of dialogue as the original, and its horror is far more literal and straightforward. If you are more scared of the sound-hating, generic-looking crab spider monsters with the venom-like heads from the first movie, then you were the visceral challenge of complete silence. <laughs> Quiet Place 2 is especially for you. Greetings, all you sexy sons of bitches out there in podcast land. This is the Horror Hound, and I'm here to discuss with you A Quiet Place 2. As much as I enjoyed the first one, the prequel has shaken me to the core with the jump scares, the special effects, and the extraordinary 2018 thriller A Quiet Place. Humanity has been emaciated by hideous alien predators with astonishing powers of hearing. Now, the story follows the Abbots, a family of survivors, who must stay quiet at all times and able to break or sneeze, or fart for that matter, <laughs> so, or step on a creaky floorboard, or they'll all be dead. So, now I'm, I'm, I'm wondering now, now I'm wondering, if you're in this reality, right, and this is a popular world, these aliens are hunting humans, what if you fart? Dude, will they hear that? Or will they laugh at you? <laughs> I'm just curious, man. Inquiring minds want to know. So it was a killer word of mouth hook. Here was a movie you had to watch in a theater in your own state of silence. No glugging of the soda or the crunching of the popcorn was allowed. A Quiet Place became a huge success, and its filmmaker and star John Krasinski wrote and directed the sequel that was supposed to open it in March 2020. But, you know, the cold COVID-19 pandemic and these assholes forced theaters to close. And the movie's release was postponed. And then before we get any further into this podcast review, here's a spoiler. Spoiler. Whether you go see it now or wait to stream it, A Quiet Place Part 2 is likely to make you a little jumpy. It doesn't have the same oppressive intensity as its predecessor, but it's just as taut, suspenseful, and beautifully made. As before, Krasinski doesn't explain why the aliens are here in the first place, and yet he does give us an opening flashback to the terrible day they arrived, laying waste to the Abbott's small town in upstate New York and other towns and cities all over the globe. Many people die, but the Abbott's survive, mainly because they're quick to realize that the monsters hunt by sound. Kind of reminds you of the Tremors, right? But there's a more like vibration kind of thing going on. So, anyway. From the beginning, the first movie ended in essence at its climax, with our heroes, the Abbots, finally slanting scales after 400-some days of terror under their noise-slaying captors. Part 2 begins with a refreshingly cruel reset, 
going back to day one of all this when it all started, when nobody knew a damn thing, didn't, didn't know a damn thing was going on. I was like, what's going on? Anyway, we as an audience members know what comes eventually. You know, Krasinski is plotting treats at the first movie as required viewing. And that makes a scene at a Little League baseball game and open field of noise. An especially nerve-rattling jack-in-the-box sequence in a movie that has abundantly of them. The match is called off when something especially big blows in the sky. Everyone scurries home. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even check it out. I do. Did your phone got a camera? Well, it's got a camera. Hey, bring your phone and, you know, let's take some pictures and maybe some videos, you know. Whatever. That, that's just me. Who Raise your hand if you agree with me. I'm curious to see how, how this goes. So... Many people don't stand a chance after the aliens suddenly slam into town, sending Lee Abbott into hiding with his daughter, Regan, while Mother Evelyn, played by Emily Blunt, frantically drives with her two sons. This is a high-octane victory lap for the, what Krasinski achieved in the first movie, especially as its bracing violence reclimatizes us to the dreading sound while locking us into different characters' points of view with long takes as they try to tra- traverse pure chaos. Say that five times fast. A Quiet Place Part 2 announces here that it's playing a different and considerably less interesting game, but it's a perverse sequence. Then the movie flashes forward uh, many months, picking up right after the events of the first film. Krasinski's character, Lee Abbott, has been tragically killed, leaving behind his wife, Evelyn, played by a fierce Emily Blunt, and their children. And believe it or not, Krasinski and Emily Blunt are married in real life. Who would have known? <laughs> Part two then jumps right to the end of the last one, moments after Evelyn victoriously cocked a shotgun. With their family's barn burning in the background and Father Lee dead in the fields, it's time to pack up and get the fuck out of Dodge. Carrying her newborn baby, Evelyn travels with her daughter, Regan, and son, Marcus, off to the sand path that had previously been laid by Lee, past the gravesite of their youngest son from the beginning of the first movie. Regan has had her cochlear implant in hand, looking to further weaponize it after its feedback proved at the end of the first movie to give the monsters an everating headaches, or something like that. Her search for more people sets them on a course for a signal and the unknown of humanity. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Anyway, but what do they eat? What do these aliens eat? If not humans, what are all those teeth for? Are there baby aliens? I want to see the nest in the mothership. God damn it. I want to know. Anyway, with part of centering on sacrifice for family, this sequel now concerns what one would give up helping others. Cillian Murphy plays the Blurry Emmett, the newest addition to the series, a family friend from the ball game, who ponders this question when he refuses to help the Abbots after they step into the abandoned factory he peers over ominously. He is incredibly resistant at first, I think I would be too, especially given his own loss and waning food supply. And he warns Evelyn of looking for others, talking about how there are now people who are not worth saving. Emmett has an intriguing resentment until the film's overall emotional growth is reduced to Emmett learning to follow the gospel of the all-American hero Lee, which is not the only unpleasant idea that Krasinski takes too seriously. Okay, if you're familiar with post-apocalyptic movies and TV shows, 
don't trust other crowds. I mean, have you not watched The Walking Dead? You know, the Saviors and the Whisper Wars and all that. Anyway. And yet, within the movie's fear of other humans, thank you, it does ramp up to a good bit of fear later on with people who are less giving than the Abbots. It's scary when a group of people are staring at you and not saying a word. That's when you say, hey, asshole, take a picture. It'll last longer. Fucked hard. Anyway, <laughs> so as the characters endeavor into new territory, it's solid craftsman Krasinski who is noticeably not taking many risks. He leads with intention, and he's confident with multiple threads at once and putting every cast member, including the baby, in uncomfortable danger. So he's not going for the Father of the Year award in this movie, just to let you know. And yet, at any time, he'll do something really far-fetching, like bring Regan to the forefront, alone with a shotgun in hand. He eventually shirks from and for his development that's noticeably easier. So, I'm like, okay, come here, Regan, here's a 12-gauge pump action, double pump action, and here's eight rounds. Good luck. A little pat on the back and walk away. <sighs> Said no one ever. So, or in some cases, he'll rely on an easy scare with a dead body popping in the frame, piling onto the movie's numerous loud noises for scares. Boom! Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist that one. The series' original appeal of minimal hush dialogue is toyed with as part two bends some of the rules, eagerly enforced all for the sake of the quietish exchanges that rationalize emotions in the way that's far less expressive than the sign language of the original. The performances remain comprehensive and intense, even the story gives little space for them. Blunt is in more of a candid action mode, having already proven how badass she was in the first movie, still embodying a great deal of physical stress and maternal urge to protect. Yeah, Oh yeah, she's a mommy mode, fuckers. You better watch out. Just saying. Jupe and Simmons are the true professionals when it comes to crying, screaming terror, and they both bring out a sensitivity to the story of Discovery with like glimmers of hope. Sorry, I tried again. <laughs> Were you scared? Sorry, sorry, sorry. But okay, not sorry. And Chris Dishier remains good at casting interesting faces for their intensity. Murphy's face can show a certain weariness in different lights, and here he looks beat, mysterious, but human. Digimon Hansu and Scoot Maneri also lend their unique presences in the movie, but that's all that can really be said. The only entity that moves faster than Michael P. Shavers, I'm sorry if I brutally your name, dude, Michael P. Shavers, editing are the monsters themselves. But there's no love for them from the story. They're like an actor and a collective who has their contractually, even though no one would invite them to a rap party. Okay. I'm not sure that made sense or not. I, I just made that up. Sorry. <laughs> Aside from falling from the sky... They're not further developed by Krasinski, and the amount of focus this story gives them shines a light on how weakly conceived they are. However, impeccably rendered by, you know, special effects. Krasinski's interest in going against explainer fan culture. Good luck with that one. So, YouTube is fascinating, but the lack of background feels like he just has too little to say about his monsters. They become playfully dull villains here aggressively silencing human beings with a slash or a toss and no ho-hum, then that's it. The two movies end, and their mystery is starting to hint that there's no there there. I don't know if you caught that or not. In other words, the sense is not there. The principle is not there. And it's driving people crazy, like me. 
So what's surprising about the whole A Quiet Place passion experience largely diminishes here, especially as well as this clarifies with a numbing amount of maximum volume slams, bangs, and bass warbles. I'm not going to do it again. I promise. Boom! Anyway, Marco Beltrami's score brings into the original's meditative themes when it's not trying to blow you into the back of the theater with loud-ass fucking amps. But the moments in which humans and monsters battle are incredibly robust and kinetic and succeed at getting you to think nothing else in the story but the terror on screen. Along with cinematographer Polly Morgan and editor Shaver, Krasinski proves highly adept at building and layering in your face sequences, especially as three different storylines climax with beloved characters screaming for their lives. <laughs> so one of Krasinski's best visual touches involves two scenes that trap the viewer into a point of view of being in a fast car. Like at the beginning when Evelyn is trying to speed reverse from a hijacked bus. And now it's time for the closing thoughts. The movie seems to think they both have a point as Regan and Emmett embark on a perilous journey in search of survivors. They find themselves in situations that give rise to both hope and despair. Some of the people they meet are as predatory as the monsters themselves, and others are as brave and compassionate as Regan. That makes A Quiet Place 2 an unpredictably resounding film for the present moment as this country slowly emerges from a crisis that, while surely less terrifying than an alien apocalypse, has revealed humanity at its best and at its worst. These electrifying sequences give the film plenty of adrenaline as its beginning and end and play like a nod from a still of Volmer Krasinski. He's embracing Enjoy Your Ride filmmaking, even though that, that can encourage viewers' passivity. Here's hoping that Part 3 leaves more room for what's got people talking in the first place. The movie doesn't need fashionable relevance to work, as with the original, its success relies not so much on the broad strokes of his narrative which still has its share of logical holes. As on the way, Krasinski doles out both information and tension. Because the characters frequently cannot talk, story beats and revelations have to be conveyed visually through cinematic language. And because this is a thriller, everything has a very strict timeline. The genre depends on our understanding narrative turns and the characters thinking exactly when a movie needs us to. It's a high level of difficulty stuff, and yet Krasinski brings subtly and artistry to it. He suggests key plot points through not just basic images and cuts, but also through reoccurrence and sound, such as the bit with the towel on the furnace latch, which I'm not sure even got its own close-up. He also uses texture exquisitely, a shot of a barefoot quietly hesitating before it steps on a path covered in dry, Loudly's pulls us into the close quarters world of the film because we cannot always connect the tactile to the elemental. It's hard to resent A Quiet Place too much, though, clocking in at a curt 97 minutes. It's a lean and mean thriller with a lot of heart, even though it's a bit thin. It's the sort of sequel that feels like it was intended as a middle chapter with its dangerous road trip structure that works to establish a new status quo for its characters. However, in the end, it plays this story a bit too safe. It does enough to set up another possibly engaging film, 
if Krasinski has another story to tell, but not enough to convince viewers that they will like it. For all these movies take a unique interest in silence, they need to have a little more to say. With that being said, the movie ends in a questionable note, leaving the door open for another sequel, which is both annoying and encouraging. To me, anyway, it is. I don't know about you guys and gals, but it is to me. I'm already looking forward to finding out what happens next. Hopefully in a dark theater, watching as quietly as I can. That is all I have for my movie review on A Quiet Place 2. Thank you all for listening and subscribing to my podcast. I appreciate the love and the support you've given me so far. With over 370 plays, this is, this, it's fucking awesome. So, you may continue to subscribe and download these podcasts on the following platforms. Anchor FM, Breaker Audio, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. This is a horror hound saying, cheers, you magnificent sons of bitches, and thank you for listening.